What is up, good fighters? You know what it is. This is Dr. Nash and Dr. Gates with an appearance of David Marshall. Connection, intention, and purpose coming at you as always with some good hope and love. And as always, we're fighting the good fight just like all of you out there. We got some good stuff today, Dr. Nash. We got the Philosophy Friday. Or wait, Fire Philosophy Friday? I like that a little bit better. A little bit of fire mixed in there for sure. A little bit of fire mixed in there. I mean, whenever you're talking philosophy, you kind of got the fire, you know, that's part of it, right? Team Standing fire on the Nation. shoulder of the Giants, fire is bound to happen. Team Fire Nation, if you, if you are. Team Fire fun. Nation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, you were fire. What did I, I don't even remember what I was. I don't remember. I'll think about it. <laughs> Come back around. <laughs> Come back around, but we got Fire Philosophies Friday, guys, and I just wanted to open it up real quick um, before Dr. Nash gets into some uh, some good stuff. I want to share from the preface of Volume Six: The Philosophy of Chiropractic in the circa 1920 by B.J. Palmer. Chiropractic philosophy ought not to be classed among the luxuries which a poor man cannot afford, cannot afford, but rather among the commonest necessaries of life as air, water, and food, which a universal intelligence has scattered everywhere with amazing and beneficent profusion. Boom, baby. Yeah. I'm about uh, to everybody. I mean, just right off the bat, it's not a, you're, you're classing it with necessities. Mm-hmm. Necessities for life. It really like, is. Life I mean, law of life, man. Law of life. Need it. And, and I don't, not, you know, I think even just the philosophy, though, how he distinguishes the philosophy portion of it, not just like the adjustment aspect or not just the uh, the science, but the philosophy of it and, and being that it's for everybody. The philosophy is for everybody. You know, not everybody can, 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 right. Not everybody can do the art necessarily. I mean, they can if they're, you know, go after it, but the philosophy is for all. It is so. such an empowering thing. We, we've talked about it before. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because it's, it's a missing link for so many people that they're, they have these inherent feelings about, well, that doesn't, I mean, like, you just don't, does it make you healthy to come out, be born, and take medication? Are you more mm-hmm. healthy if you have more surgeries, right? Like, that. nobody ever <laughs> thinks that. And in a way, I mean, you see so many happy people who don't have hardly anything, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't have any access yeah. to like medication, any access to like, you know, what we consider a uh, first world type healthcare and they are manifesting just fine without it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More oftentimes not. Yeah. Like, what are they, what are they missing out on really? And, and in fact, they're more human than I'd say majority of the United States. Maybe, well, they're maybe operating more by design, you know? Yeah. yeah. More, more in, more in sync with what you know universal and innate had it has in store and what they really want or what universal innate have planned yeah. as yeah. part of like the blueprint right so i think that's one of like the most powerful things that we have to offer as a profession is our our philosophy behind not just health but life right we talked about it before right. the difference between survival and thrival right so yeah really working on that that thriving ability to not just uh be getting getting by and getting through the day but thriving through the day 
because that's yes, sir. you're bringing out the best version of yourself, and that's what we want for everybody. Yes, sir. Because when you know. when you win at home, your family's going to win. And when your family's winning, your neighbors are going to win. And when your neighbors are winning, your your town and your city's going to start winning, right? So, yeah, um, it's just that concept that like we're all on that same part of river or ocean right we're all part of that same tide level and when all boat you know when we raise that tide collectively all boats are going to rise together because we're all mm-hmm. on the same yep. same mission of life so universally all together and universally all adapting yeah bro i love that i, I gotta get that. that that's something that i know right i gotta get like that on the walls or something seriously pack it up pack it up right marshy He's, he's gonna be, he's gonna be like the. Uh, he's gonna just be like the spokesperson from from day one, right? Like, dude, he is. His first words going to be chiropractic. That. Dude, it freaking better. If not, this home. Freaking better. <laughs> freaking better. Oh, no, I did. T- I did tell him that peanut can be his first word. Oh, okay, well, fair so, enough. It's my cat, guys. In case you uh, didn't know, but his first adjustment is gonna be on peanut, right, Marshy? Yeah, you full send for peanut there. Ooh, yeah, exactly. She needs it. She needs an attitude adjustment. <laughs> One thing. Yeah, I so what do we got? Uh, you're you're digging into the sentence lately, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been reading uh, Doctor Robson's uh, chiropractic philosophy textbook, um, and just write literally page two. Page um, two. Blah. Going through the intent of chiropractic and the definition. So he talks a lot about there being ambiguity sometimes. And is it up to the chiropractor to define chiropractic? Or is it up to us to have a standard ethical profession definition? Right. Hmm. So having ethics. Does is, he answer that question? Or what, yeah, he what does. do you think about that? I what was your me, initial thoughts? Initially, I was thinking, because I actually just read the ethics of chiropractic. And after reading that, like I. I think it's really important to obviously have your own interpretation or like your own manifestation of the definition of chiropractic for sure. But I think it's got to fall in line to some extent with some standard ethical definition in the profession. Right. And that's exactly what I was, that was my initial thoughts too, is that having that backbone is still so vital, even though you can have your, and I don't want to say own interpretation because I think people can use that right too loosely. Like it's not like it's like you just make it everything you want it to be, but instead using that backbone as a as a premise and a foundation to then guide you and urinate on on, on giving care for the way chiropractic should getting sick to do well. Right, and and everybody's perception is completely different than somebody else's. So your perception of what that means that, that is you know, obviously entirely up to your own truth, but that is not to say that there is not some like line in the sand that we need to like have made. Right. Like there, there is a certain level of flexibility with it, but there is still that underlying principle and theory and law. Right. 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 Otherwise you got chiropractors on Colorado giving vaccinations (laughs) or chiropractors on the West coast prescribing medication. Freaking it, dude. Well, I would argue that they're not chiropractors if they're prescribing medication. What do we call it? Medipractors? Yeah, medipractors. Um, yeah, I mean, they're 
in it for the wrong reasons. They don't really understand. And, and in a way, like, God, they're selling themselves so short, right? Like, dude, you're, uh, why would you do that to yourself? You know, your own opportunity to be unique for the desire to want to be accepted by the community, the, the majority of people with a ton of money. Like, and if that's Mm -hmm. your, your main sole motivator, like, that should push you even harder to lean into your own uniqueness. Right. It's just it the easy think way. Of, um, the convenient right. it's way. A, it's a, and BJ talked about that, but um, it makes me think of, we've been watching uh, Kitchen Nightmares. I don't know if you've ever watched that before. I've watched it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time he goes into these restaurants that have a menu that appeases everybody, right? They got tacos, they got burgers, they got pizza, pasta. Yeah, they got any, you know, any cultural food you want, it's on the list. Every single one of those restaurants are failing. They're, they're ultimately failing because they have way too much. Now, it's it's not like it's like Applebee's or something like that where it's a chain, right? But this is like mom and pop places, right? So the more you have that, though, he immediately takes these restaurant menus and cuts it down to to be unique, to be strategically isolated to um have a specialty not to have a specialty and perfection at that specialty too and i think all the restaurants whenever they follow it they see way more rapport they see way more results they see way more connection intention and purpose of what they're trying to do and i think chiropractic is no different the more we try to preach the message ethically preach the message um principally People latch onto that. They're not used to that. That's not that everyday. That's not that everyday mantra, you know. No, we we see. I think this is like a very um, what's the word? Optimistic amount percentage of how many people chiropractors serve, and I think it's under ten percent. But I'm just gonna like for the for the podcast and just for the sake of it, say we see we see ten percent of people right. 90% sure of people never even heard. I'm sure Dr. Chase talked about a couple it of is. episodes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it was. Right. Yeah, maybe even t- less than 10%. Yeah. That's 90, 90% of people that do not even are not even getting any ounce of what we have to offer with our philosophy or how, mm-hmm. you know, in our, in our truth, the body is designed to be so much more powerful than what 90% of people actually believe or what they're being programmed. <laughs> yeah, especially today. Especially today, and the, and the uh, bottom line is just to at least have the choice and option to seek something else. Mm, mm, yes, yeah. last year more than anything, like obviously, that has been right. Such the opposite of what's been going on, right, right. And what's being pushed? What's being pushed? What's being represented by popularity? Being represented as a fake majority? Yeah. You know? Yep, and you know we're uh, you know in some way, shape, and form. We've been talking about it since the beginning, but we've been trying to be that that rock against the tide, right? Right. Or that right. That, that lighthouse in the storm that like doesn't have to be this crazy for you. Like, I, and I understand the craziness is around you, but you don't have to accept that as what you um, what you want to like take on as as your as your truth in a way, but to get back to the point of the definition, right? Yeah. So Sorry, big tangent. <laughs> oh no, you're good. And I, I'm, I'm one on the tangent with you. Chiropractic is a philosophy, science and art of things natural 
a system of adjusting segments of the spinal column by hand only for the correction of the cause of disease. And the cool thing, what Sinnott does is he kind of defines three main parts that some people see as ambiguous. And he goes through what they were actually intended to separate chiropractic from the AMA or the medical community when it was initially, uh, I think BJ wrote this. Uh, oh, okay. No, this was from Stevenson's. I, I apologize. That was from Stevenson. But what he initially... Uh, yeah, but a lot of Stevenson took it from BJ too. So exactly. And some, Yep. Yep. So essentially what he goes on to say is things natural is one of the parts of art of things natural. That things natural is like an ambiguous kind of section that people kind of are up for debate about. Or like people kind of... Oh, yeah. Um, the other like two. What is what is actual naturality? What was the purpose behind writing things natural? Gotcha. And when with things natural, BJ explained that that was used to separate chiropractic from a lit, religious practice at the time. Mm-hmm. You got to think back in like nineteen <coughs> early nineteen hundreds, right? Um, right. A lot of what we were operating on as chiropractors was you know, uh, almost hypothesis. It was more than mm-hmm. hypothesis, but it was like very, very early theory. And yeah, yeah. well, we were we were combating too. Uh, I don't remember his name right now, but also DOs and everything like that were starting in the in the mix. And their their main premise was the blood, right? So right. our where D and BJ, I think, thrived, and thank goodness they had this insight neurology. Yeah. Well, and with that, um, it's supposed to, it was designed to basically detract anybody from thinking it was some divine religious experience when somebody heals. That's what I really meant by things natural, because that would be like a point of attack for somebody to like thrash or to uh, defame the profession. Like, Oh, it's just some like another religious form of healing. And it, that's what they were. Right. One of the things that they were really trying to emphasize. Well, with that. I like that point too, because when I, whenever I see a chiropractic adjustment, okay, or um, see people get results from a chiropractic adjustment, to me, I'm never like, oh, that's such a miracle. That's such a, that's such a um, divine intervention into their life. Now, is it divine in the sense of like, maybe they came into my office and different things like that, potentially. But in my mind, I'm like, dude, that's exactly how the body was designed to be, to, to, to do. You know, right. it's not. It's not necessarily a miracle if that's what if that's what we're designed to do now. Is it a miracle that like <clears throat> that you know sperm meets the egg and we form this perfect nodal cord and all the kind of stuff neurology wise and whatnot? Yes, for sure. But at the same time, it's not it's not some type of divine miraculous thing in, in my mind because that's exactly how we were intended to be made to be intended to work to function and I, that's what I freaking love about chiropractic and it, it's physiologically congruent. It, it, it takes into account what we're supposed to do. Yeah. It's the common denominator between all systems and all structures of the human frame and, and of the life frame between anything mm-hmm. with the spine, right? Yep. Because you can't uh, tell a horse that it's a religious experience and he heals from that, right? <laughs> right, yeah. But animals, they receive so, – I mean, <clears throat> the most powerful care you see sometimes is like watching, watching an animal receive – you know a chiropractic adjustment and watching them right almost change instantly right well there's way more connected to be closer to to innate and and ease than we ever could be i think right they're they're operating society 
their educated mind is operating at such a fraction yeah, such a large frequency yeah right right so uh i think that is like one of the easiest case in points that like you could ever have for somebody that is trying to say that it's all a bunch of hocus pocus or anything like that they didn't have that right yet. that was one of the main purposes right um so. the next portion so he goes on a system of adjusting segments of the spinal column by hand only so by hand only is the other ambiguous point that dr Sinnott talks about mm. and some people and are in the chiropractic community use that to kind of bash like atlas orthogonal or pedibon right Right. And those get <laughs> right, and that wasn't the purpose mm -hmm. at the time. To the main purpose, what when they when Stevenson wrote that, and what BJ talks about as well, it was back in the early 1900s. The AMA was actually doing um, surgeries to reduce atlanoaxial compression of the spinal cord. Right. They were doing surgeries. And the definition of by use of the hand only was the correcting of misalignments in the spine without the use of surgery. That was like mm. the main initial purpose of by use of the hand only. Mm. Now, I think that that is, we kind of talk about areas that for our truth, that there is a level of, um, no, personal play with, element right? that we, we don't always have to like. Right. Like there is a standard, hundred percent. That standard, that right. line is in. We're not we're not performing any surgeries, right? right? And I think what we can take it on upon ourselves is what 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 aligns with our truth. Right. And I think for for me, I don't I don't use activator as much. We I, I might use it like right. it's a it's a tool for when I need it to be, but it's not how I'm going to operate ninety nine percent of my practice. You know what I mean? My practice, I'm right. saying as you know what i'm uh manifesting throughout my art well and we talked about it before in the sense of by hand only and again like we had talked about it's never bashing any one person for the tool they use but it's more okay well why do you use that tool or, yeah. or you know technique wise or or toolkit wise what is the reason behind only using that um because i mean it just it just happens that our main tool is our hands because we feel like there's more versatility behind it um and, and different things like that so and i'm we've always been that where we've tried to to gain as much function through our hands and, and adjustment and for me connection attention and purpose it's just easier for me to do that you know um easier for me to to achieve all of those when i'm giving adjustment with my right. hands especially the connection part like i can't even imagine adjusting hands my you know, baby boy with, with an activator right now. Like I just, I want to be able to be connected with him in that way. You know? Yeah. There's a, I mean, we talk about it all the time too, right? that, that level of human connection, that, that human touch. Right. That, that right. really makes us so powerful as a species and as, as human beings. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, even before chiropractic, there's, um, so I, I talked with Dr. Nick Lim a lot. We've had him on here before, right? And Dr. Nick Lim, um, before he went to chiropractic school, he was practicing JSJ. And I, you know, I, I love shout it. out what that is real quick. Yeah. Very so much. Jinshin Jitsu, it's a, 
it's a form it's an ancient form of it's an ancient healing technique essentially so it coincides with similar principles to acupuncture but it is done with hands only right so the way he described it to me is it's essentially like thinking of your hands as like jumper cables for the human right. so hearing the history behind it and just like hearing and reading through different books the history of human healing human touch is essential mm-hmm. and 95% of them right um this you know the history of like people trying to find elixirs potions all that to, to heal and aid the human body like that's that's been done for forever too but right. so, so actually profound things actually like ancient profound healers they've never been chemists they've never been you know mm-hmm. up until maybe the last hundred years right they've always mm-hmm. been people who have been deeply connected to not just themselves but those people that they actually are able to help on their path to healing um and knowing what we know with our truth of the nervous system now having that extra level of connection with our hands and being connected to our own innate i think that goes a long way that a lot of people don't um, may not go coincide with every single person's truth but uh, we've talked about before you know if our educated minds can connect there's nothing saying that our innate minds can't connect either right for sure for sure and, and what better form of communication between an eight than touch mm. than physical touch? Yeah. Because yeah. There's, there's nothing no, that not words. There's no miscommunication between touch. Mm. Like you are, you're expressing what you're expressing. And with an eight, you're connected with an eight and you're connecting with another person's an eight. Right. That's, right. that's, a, that's instant, instant communication between right. an eight. So that's one of really, powerful thing i love about what we do with our hands mm, that's awesome i love it um, i love i love the distinction that he's doing do that too well and you know marshall knows the difference too right <laughs> there's a reason why like you just the more hands-on and it's like the more love that you can spread to not just like your your babies but your family right through through physical touch mm-hmm. i mean even um Sports teams, they, there's like plenty of studies on it. The more sports teams that actually like perform like physical touch throughout the game, like whether it be a pat on the butt or like dapping somebody up after like a play or anything like that, they're exponentially more successful than the other teams that don't. Right, right. And part of that is communication. You know, physical touch is a form of communication and communicating to each other that. Hey, I love you. I got you. Right. 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 Being supported. We're going to take care of you. Yeah. We're going to take care of each other. We're on a team. Right. Um, I think that's something that goes back. That's, that's ingrained into our, we talk about genetics, into our genetic DNA. Um, right. Because we're, we're social beings, social creatures that we, we realized a long time ago that we get a lot, we get a lot farther together than we do apart. Sure. And that's, yeah, that's so that's, true. That's one of like the, the craziest things about growing up right now for kids. I can't even imagine. Um, but I was fortunate enough growing up that I, I grew up in a neighborhood of kids all around my same age. Right. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you don't see that nearly as much as you used to. No. I mean, playing, playing football in the backyard, playing wiffle ball. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Uh, it's it's just nuts, dude. And that's the like, hardest thing about this last, you know, growing up, growing up right now is like there's so many different things on the news or things that people are trying to program other people to believe that um, people are dangerous or that like, you know, they're trying to divide everybody in so mm-hmm. many different ways and shapes and forms. Right. And trying to put you against your neighbor for whatever reason, like, Oh, <clears throat> he stands for this. Well, you can't like him because of that. Right. Trying to get, right. I mean, in a way it, it, they're really sneaky about it where they try to really, uh, divide everybody into certain categories that like oh you're this mm-hmm. and you're this mm-hmm. so put you in the box yeah you you're in this box and you're this box so you're not you're not together right and right. that's just like right. it's never been the case right we're all on the same team we're all human beings so uh, the more people well, that, together you can, and love each other like well that and you can see how the, you know the, that that divisive foundation nature has been a source of of evil and misrepresentation yep. throughout human society forever. I mean, slavery and racism in America, they all start with that divisive nature of your inferior, your this compared to me. Um, and that that inherently at its core, we, you know, we'd like to think it's maybe just about skin color, but inherently at its core, it's putting people in a box and putting people in an area that's not able to communicate with you, even though that's not how it should be. And it's value, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're not as valuable as me because right. I have this external form of worth. We right. both have that same life force. We both have that same potential to um, change the world for not just ourselves but those others around us and their perceptions of the world. What's what's more what's more important than that? Right, right. for sure. Um, so it, I think that's one of the from the dawn of time that. I don't know what happened. You know, I think the Sumerians were one of the, like, the first recorded civilizations, like collective civilizations. But once a class system was introduced, a class system of this class is more important than that class, that was the first divide, right? Maybe that was, yep. I haven't read it, but maybe that was the great divide. I need to read mm. it, right? <laughs> um, I don't think that's where it goes into with the great divide, but I think that's a... Uh, I think that's something that's it's just such an uphill battle sometimes that that we're working through. Sure. But right. um I think there's light at the end of the tunnel because I think where there's divide, there's there's addition, right? Where where mm. the great what's uh what's so dividers, what are what are adders? I don't know, is adders? Dividers or Binders. Binders. Are we the great binders? Right. I don't know. I feel like in a way that's what we're trying to build with, right. You know, both of us opening up our practice is trying to build that culture and that community of people that we're all in the same tribe. We're all in the same circle. We are, we're one. Um, right. So what we always like to do is we like to celebrate wins. So one of our members, we're celebrating this win this week with them and not just me, but like all the other members of our tribe should celebrate so, so- yeah um yeah i don't know i just think like focusing on the light not the darkness is just such such the it is just the, the move to make every single time well yeah and, and recently i know i've been sharing a lot with you too about how um this law of attraction and, and yep. watching the secret and stuff like that and, and how much it applies to 
it's not just about attracting stuff, you know, it's also, it's also mood and different things like this. And right. Um, the, the inherency around us to either have that culture of winning or culture of, of emotionally being disconnected. What are we attracting? Are we attracting that everybody's bad? Are we attracting divisiveness? You don't wear a mask. You're not vaccinated. You blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't support this or that or the other thing, you know, all of that, instead of saying, Hey, we all come from the same place. We all have the same life force. We all have the same desire for um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let's go out there together. Right. You know, focusing on that light, like you said. And, and nowadays, it's a lot harder to. Uh, it's easy. It's easy when you bring it up. I think everybody commonly wants that, but we so little attract that in in today's society. What do you think that? And is? like you said, in our clinics, that's that's what we're trying to do. I think what, what do you think? Like, well, I think that's an important question for everybody to ask themselves. I mean, I think most people yeah, yeah. Whatever you may be, you're somebody that is asked that inherently already. But yeah. getting other people ask that question, I think that's kind of like one of the first steps you can have somebody take. Mm -hmm. Why do these other people want to divide us? Right, right. Because we're so the quality. The quality of your life is determined by the questions you ask yourself. Yeah. What kind of questions are you asking? Are you just moseying through? You're asking the questions that matter. Like, why do they want to divide? Where's my place to keep that from happening? Yeah. How do I protect not just myself, but my family from, from, that, yep. from them having to experience or have that happen to them? Mm -hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so kind of finish off i i said that there's three things that were ambiguous with that definition and the third part is chiropractic is a philosophy science art of things natural covered things natural assisted move adjusting segments of the spinal column by hand only covered by hand only for the correction of the cause of dis-ease so mm. disease cause of disease that is um Right. We, we talk about that every single day. Kind of about <laughs> yeah. Being at dis-ease in some way, shape, or form, you need to start. Because mm -hmm. that, that's, from, that's, that's a fundamental, distinct principle of chiropractic. It's mm -hmm. putting somebody, yeah. some, somebody's nervous system, their innate, their body at ease. Creating more ease in your life. Right. Um, and I think when you when you explain that to your patients or you explain that to people around you, listen, sickness, pain, hurt, all this, all these things happen when we're not in a state of ease. Because when we're in a state of ease, the river's running smoothly, right? Right. And everything's flowing how it should. So why would anything be interfering with that? And people get that. They they get it. They're not stupid, you know. It's just more of having them become more aware in their everyday life hey does this put me in disease or does this put me in ease am i getting adjusted to be at ease or am i just getting adjusted just because you know i want to hear a pop you know right. what i mean and there's i mean you can enjoy that too but like the the truth behind it is infinitely more powerful than just liking the pop right right that can be the instant gratification that's cool i'm cool with that but like yeah to really explain that that's so much deeper than that. That's mm -hmm. how we really 
that's how somebody goes out and tells their neighbor about it. Like, not only do I love how it feels, but I love how it makes me feel. I love how, I love how, obviously, I love how I function better. I love how the state of your, yep, the state of your body afterwards. Yes. And we t- and we talked about this too. And one thing that I want to bring up real quick um, was I was just I was talking with Dr. Nash about developing your patient's self awareness outside of your office. Um, and developing your self awareness comes from, in my in my opinion, connecting to your name more. Um, and so I asked him. I was like, you know, first off, kudos to Dr. Nash because he answered these this question. I think phenomenally, phenomenally. Um, I said, you know, what's what's three questions you can ask your patients to help them to develop more self-awareness or to help them connect with Nate more? So just like three questions. Um, the first one I believe you said was, um, how, your, how are your thoughts or how how's your self-talk? Yep. How's your self-talk going? Um, you know, because everybody comes in, we have a level of self-talk talk that is either constructive or destructive everybody has it everybody has it so the goal obviously is to balance that out to or you not balance it out but tip it more to the constructive phase um the second one you said how much are you sitting um or how much did you sit today and then the third one was are you breathing yep Which how many one? deep breaths how many deep breaths yeah money so so um how's your self-talk how much have you sat today how many deep breaths have you taken? I, I thought that did like th- those are just phenomenal ways to develop that self-awareness, to, to develop to develop those cues, to make somebody at ease when they're not in your office, to make them at ease more and to to breathe that law of life post-adjustment. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, that keeps subluxations at bay. And and if I want somebody to live more in, in the life atmosphere, it's Yes, we are adjusting by hand. We're adjusting those spinal segments, but we more than anything to not more than anything, but just as much. I want them to be at ease outside of my office, um, and part of that becomes from me making sure they're asking questions to themselves. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick and lift you up, bro, because I thought that was those three things were really good. So thanks, bro. I appreciate that. I one thing that I inherently do when we go through our process is getting, getting everybody, regardless of what your lifestyle background is to move even more, right. Mm. To make that even more part of your routine. And I've talked, we've both talked about it. You, you've made your video about, uh, does your spine stink? Right. Yeah. And getting, yeah. getting yourself to be in a state of movement. And mm-hmm. these are three things that all coincide with that, right. The very first one right at the top, how's your self-talk? How are you telling yourself how you're doing, right? How are you telling yourself how is your day going? You know, um, I think right. that's an important aspect. Like, is if obviously a lot of people come into us when they are not well, when they're not at ease, right? That's a mindset too, right? Because sure. give yourself grace to heal. Give yourself time to like. You're taking the steps. You're doing. You're doing what you may not think you could do, and you're on your way. Right. Right. Um, the journey to wellness, the optimal wellness, it's possible. And whatever your goals are, you're taking steps towards reaching them. Or at least that's what, that's what my plan is to help you do, right? Right. You know, if you're right. trying to, you know, if you're trying to get to a 500 pound squat, right? You're not going to help yourself at all if you're telling yourself you can't do it. Right. Um, You'll never do it. No. <laughs> and the thing is, you have the potential to do anything you set your mind to. 
Um, that's just how that's just how we we're designed to do that. We're designed to adapt. We're designed we're designed to to optimize our functions. For sure. That's that's so true. And then the second one, um, how much are you sitting? Right. Mm-hmm. When we're sitting for any extended period of time, I mean, even right now, I can't right. wait to get up and start moving, bro. I'm not even gonna lie. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> for sure. Because I know just for my system, the more I become aware of it, the more I realize, the more I'm sitting, the more I'm locking up my my system altogether, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just overall, I'm a lot happier when I'm up and moving, moving around, the more I'm doing things, mm-hmm. um, the more I'm interacting with my environment, my body's interacting, right? Because I've realized that our nervous system, obviously, is designed to to perceive, right? And when we're sitting, we're having a lack of perception. Mm-hmm. When you have a long standing period of lack of perception, we're not able to adapt. We're not able to grow. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. So, um, the more I can get people to move, when we clear up uh, segments in the spinal column that aren't moving correctly, right? We're, induced, yeah. we're, we're creating more motion. The body loves that. So I just want to maintain right. that movement as much as I can. And especially right. the spine. So, that's one thing that we I focus on too is just figuring out how I can help them get their spine moving more when they don't see me because I only see them for mm-hmm. at the most fifteen exactly a few times a week maybe right but yeah. like ninety percent of the work comes from them and at home so yep. that's that's a super important part I think that a lot of people get kind of mixed up when it comes to that question is how much are you sitting it's really yeah. how much how much aren't you sitting. How much are you sitting? Yeah. If you don't want to sit, if you don't want to sit as much, you gotta, you gotta have a baby. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. There's a lot of times I gotta get up and just like buy Marshall while I'm walking around. I'm like, dang, dude, I like, I just want to sit down, man. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Um, so is he more at ease when you're walking around with him? Obviously, uh, depends on the time of day. In the afternoon, definitely. Okay. Right now, right now, usually in the mornings, he's awake and more chilling. He just likes looking outside. He loves being out in the nature. So. He's a he's the most intentional and uh, connection, intention and purpose kid that uh that I know right now. So, and he I just keep looking at him. Uh, I just keep cracking up, smiling, dude. He's ah uh, man, what a great kid, bro. Yeah, he's just showing like his daddy. Like I said, he, yeah, <laughs> you just get him looking outside. He'll he'll be he'll sit here for a little bit of time with me. In the afternoons, he likes to move more, go on walks and stuff, but. Uh, but overall, he's got them in eight cents to to move too. Yeah. Oh, he might be going to sleep too. Yeah. Well, well eyes, groupy eyes. Yeah. Sleepy. Yeah. Sleepy. Um, um, last, and the last part, bro, about that. Uh, the last question, right? How much? How many deep breaths are you taking in a day? Mm-hmm. There's some people I don't know if they do it at all. They don't even think about. Or or if they ever have. Or if they ever have, are they are you even aware <laughs> if you've ever taken like a deep breath? Yeah, your diaphragm. Oh, yeah, with your diaphragm, I think is another distinction because most people, when I say, "Okay, take a deep breath in," they go, "Yeah, all, all chest, all chest, all, all chest, and all yeah. traps." Uh, mm-hmm. using, using the apex of the lungs, right? And you get capped up here. You don't. You run out mm-hmm. of room up here. Your apex is going yeah. up far, right? So that diaphragm is so essential, and a lot of people they don't even know. Um, that's one of the right. coolest things about. Uh, Nate's going to drop it in. Just give me a second, but, um, DNS, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, it's, it's just focus on the diaphragm. Really trying to figure out how you proper core breathing, proper core breathing. So that's something that you, I mean, if you can just take more of those in a day, put yourself in a more parasympathetic state. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, nobody can use, nobody's going to have too much of that. Yep. At least in America. I know that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, if you're, especially if you're not working out, you're not taking deep breaths. Right. So you got to try or double, double there. You're not moving and you're also not deep breathing. And, and as far as like performance goes, anybody who's been a high level performer, if they are a crab breather or like a chest mm-hmm. breather, mm-hmm. Bro, they're not even tapping their potential. So not even close. Um, I don't remember exactly what the number was, but, or like what the study was, but it was looking at actual breathing patterns between athletes. And obviously the more relaxed, I think it was more for track, but I I think that's a pretty good uh, indicator of effort level or of least like Mm -hmm. level of ease when performing. And that was a huge indicator was what are their breathing patterns looking like? How it eases their system when they're breathing. So because we're up like this, we're sympathetic, flight or flight, you know. Um, and you're never going to be able to move as quick as you need to because you're already locked up. You're already right. contracted. Yep. Ease is easily the, the name of the game outside of things, you know, like just even people that come in and, and <clears throat> I see this a lot, especially with like two main pe- people that I've seen. First off, if you're any type of like, ENT, firefighter, corrections officers, those, every single one of those guys, they're just all up in here because they're, they're, they're in a sympathetic state a majority of the time. And then females, I think a lot of times too, you guys carry your stress a lot differently than guys. So this becomes even more important for you guys to, to check yourself um, outside of the office. And one thing that I've been trying to work on with pretty much all of my patients is you talk about biggest nerve stimulation and different things like this um, and diaphragmatic breathing is just a lot of people want to get adjusted and then they just want to go sometimes because they're in there go, go, but I just adjust them. Okay. Lay down, take some nice deep diaphragmatic breaths, take about five of them and just lay there for a second. Don't think about anything. Just lay there. A lot of people don't even know how Love to do it, that. Bro. Their first, their first adjustment, they try to do that. Afterwards, and they're like, I don't know how to breathe. <laughs> like, they they physically cannot do it. Yeah, they don't know how. It's nuts. Um, I, I and I I know you, you we've talked about it before too. Where BJ, one of the biggest port, like one of the most important portions of the BJ Palmer uh, clinic in Davenport was the resting room. Mm-hmm. After yeah. you get an adjustment, you it's rest. Huge. It's essential, yeah. right? Yeah, becoming allowing your body to really uh, essentially recalibrate. With with an eight after post adjustment, mm-hmm. um, it's it's insanely important making that time to really take those breaths. Because I mean, one of the most uh, profound ways we can actually stimulate the spinal cord is through our breath. Yep, yep. It's, you know, it's such an essential tool that has almost been forgotten to a point for majority of people. Or at least people are like people aren't told about it, or at least they don't seek it out. And there's a quote from this book, the end of this chapter says, um, full knowledge is of paramount importance and to resist clarity of truth 
is to knowingly choose ignorance. Mm. I think a lot of people are, are scared of truth or scared that they have been doing something wrong for a long period of time. And I think that a lot of times people choose ignorance over truth because it's convenient. Yep. Yep. Um, I had something kind of drop in last night that I wanted to share with you. It might not make a hundred percent sense, but I was writing it down as I was kind of in the middle of, uh, taking out the trash. So uh, life isn't meant to be convenient. Where in the existence of life does most convenient, where does the most convenience thrive? Life is about the ability to make inconvenience become an, become a benefit and a strength. If your life is surrounded with convenience at every turn, you'll never have the ability to, op- you'll never have the opportunity to adapt, grow, and evolve. The convenient mm. road makes men and rivers crooked. That's kind of like a, mm. kind of still obvious. If it's not going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Be I aware it. of areas in your life that you choose convenience over an opportunity to expand your being. So I was just thinking a lot about convenience yesterday, right? Um, just simple stuff because our dishwasher is garbage. Like it sucks. Mm. So we've just been washing dishes by hand. Um, and like, that's just a convenience thing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, I have to put an extra like 30 seconds of inconvenient washing in, but like in a way it's like an opportunity for me to, like you go through these things doing not mundane things, but things that uh, you can kind of like shut your brain off a little bit when you're doing them. Right. And it's almost right. like an opportunity to meditate, to like clear the mind. I was going to say that. Just be I present. feel like when I, when I do dishes, that's a lot of times when I'm just like, one of two things happen. Either I'm I'm just not thinking, I'm just kind of like doing it and like I'm not irritated or stressed or anything like that. Or I'm like thinking about things and meditating on them. Yeah. Because I'm not, you know, there's nothing else to do. Right. You know, especially doing dishes. And, and I was just thinking about that convenience aspect is we're surrounded by convenience. Right? It's old convenience at every turn, man. People every, are saying every, every turn. turn of their health, obviously. So like whether that's food, medication, um entertainment, sedation. Yeah. Well, because even even um you know, one thing that we talk about in our office is you know, how much food are you actually making for yourself? Yeah, dang. A lot of people aren't. It's it's always something that's already pre-made, frozen. Um you know, if it's not fast food, just it may not be fast food, but it's already made. Right. So I would just tell people, I'm like, try to make as much as you can. Like, I understand that life is busy, but convenience quite literally kills our innovation and our ability to to connect with ourselves. And I just kind of, I, I innately liked making stuff myself, like my own hair gel or my own, you know, if I'm making bread or something like that. I just like that more. But a lot of people, they just, you know, they don't, they don't tend not to like it. Um, and we kind of stepped away from it, so. Dude, I, I think there's a, well, I mean, we both know plenty of people that are amazing at sharing things that they, that they make at home. And I think mm-hmm. that's one benefit of, you know, we talked about some of the Whoa, did you hear that? non-benefits of what? He just big old poop. No, oh, did he? Old <laughs> <laughs> a big movement, bro. Ease, baby. He's yes, sir. Ease. Power of that right there. <laughs> yes, what I was going to say is uh, there's so many things, so many uh, platforms out there now that like help you do stuff at home, right? That you can make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take advantage of that stuff, right? 
100%. Or even like, we talk about the movement aspect, dude. If yoga is all over YouTube, you don't have to have a fancy yoga studio if you nope. can't afford it. Obviously, like, it's that can, community is nice, but if you can go on YouTube and find a, a workout, a yoga, it's so easy. That's part matters. of my morning so routine use, every day. Use, use that convenience to better your inconvenience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Use it to your advantage, right? Make it a strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yoga's huge, bro. I mean, we're not, I'm not even going to call myself, I mean, because obviously yogis, I hate to even like, I don't want to disrespect it at all because I, mm. I know how, how much work people put into yoga and mm. how profound yoga is. Right, and, right. You know, I know for me, since I've adopted it as a part of my morning and night routine, um, I could, I just know I sleep so much better. And yeah. I know when I wake up, I'm so much more functional without, I don't, uh, it's a stimulant without needing any external source right. of, other than movement in the morning. And it only right. takes three minutes. Right? Well, yeah, yoga can be, well, even just something as simple as going on a walk can be better than a cup of coffee in my mind. I mean, like, yeah. I, I've done that countless times and I'm like, I don't even, I'm not tired. I don't feel like I need that cup of coffee to, to kickstart it, you know, but in that yoga, I just, I just did a video about osteoporosis the other day, but um, 12 minutes of daily yoga has been shown to either stop that osteoporosis or, you know, combat it for the opposite. 12 yeah. minutes. What, what is that? You know, compared to our day, that's what, there's 24 hours in a day, five. So, and that's just one one one, one, one thousandth of, of your day, maybe. And that's just one layer of like the benefits mm-hmm. of doing it. Right. That. Right. One right. little layer. There's so much more, right? <laughs> Let alone the connection that you're going to make when you're doing that 12 minutes yoga. Let alone but that. I always told that mobility. Go ahead. Yeah. Every time people that come in, they're like, yeah, I started doing yoga. Their adjustments are always just way smoother, way more at ease, way more accepting of that adjustment every time. You know, mm-hmm. he's post poop sleepies. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I know the feeling. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> oh dang, it's it's satisfying, dude. Uh, he knows. Yes, sir. He Big voice. <laughs> Sweet. Um. Dr. Gates, do you have anything else you want to cover today? Oh, yeah. I thought this was fire. Just being able to, to get some some ground upon, like you said, the recognizing you have you have opportunity to be creative in your philosophy, but at the same time, being ethical and principally um, sound within your foundation, if not, lets you create more. Um, there's something that Jocko Willing, he's a SEAL member, or you know, renowned SEAL team leader. And he talks about how discipline equals freedom, mm. and a lot of people are like, "That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard." How can how can you be disciplined and yet have the freedom to do what you need to do? But he discusses how in his SEAL team, the more discipline they had, the more freedom they had to maneuver when things went awry. The more freedom they had to to do things that they needed to do and get the job done because they were disciplined in their foundation. And how much more can we transition that into today being disciplined as good fighters and being able to say, Hey, discipline's not a bad thing. Um, 
inconvenience necessarily isn't a bad thing. As long as we're at ease, as long as we're focusing on the creativity, going through things naturally, done by hand, and focusing on bringing people out of disease, dude, you're fighting the good fight every single day the more you focus on that. The more you focus on that, having that, that sound discipline to those principles towards those ethics, you're going to have tons of freedom to not only do what you want with your patients, but do what you want in your life. I want to share uh, at some point in the future that uh, book of by Dr. Cirillo. He was a student in uh, like a mentor, BJ, or BJ was his mentor. So uh, he covers ethics of chiropractic, which, like I talked about before, if you have ethics in a profession, you're going to have a standard. So there is a standard mm-hmm. to be held. Um, I want to end on just two little minor sentences that I think are super powerful. Okay. Just think about this. Before we go, cultures are dependent upon customs, views, and especially language to both bond them and define them as being separate and distinct from other cultures. When invaders take over a country, they outlaw the language of that culture. What's been going on recently, right? Yeah. People are being silenced. So Silenced, censored, and outlawed for what you believe. And also, that first little part about culture, building culture, use, use the vernacular of chiropractic. It's important. Mm-hmm. We are so mm-hmm. different. And that's, that's wow. part of the So, chiropractic. And how much is that been trying to take it out right now? That's crazy. They're trying to. But uh, as long as we're around, we're going to keep that fire burning, right? Um, keeping it burning all day, baby. Chiropractic requires, such as it is the largest profession, to openly recognize the significance of the adaptive intellect found within all living things. It is the recognition of the uniqueness of every person being driven by an internal force toward health and that the vertebral subluxation interferes with that potential that sets chiropractic apart. That's where I kind of wanted That's to end it. Um, can, you, can you touch on that last one? Just so make sure people can hear that. Yep. So it's the recognition of the uniqueness of every person being driven to by an internal force toward health and that the vertebral subluxation interferes with that potential that sets chiropractic apart. A lot of people really want to be included or at least, um, I, you know, going through school, you have a lot of student organizations that want to be more included with the AMA or the medical community. I, I think we all are on the same team, but I think it's also important to be distinct and unique that we are on the same team. And I'm not saying that we're in different boxes, but we're unique. Right. We're not mm-hmm. we're not looking to seek validation from somebody else. Yep. Our culture is yep. Right. Right. So I think that's something that um, we need to take pride in. That we that we recognize that that internal intellect, that innate intelligence that's found in everybody that's that wants to thrive towards health. Right. Yep. It's not just about survival, baby. It's not about just like you know, having that smoke alarm going off and taking out that battery, right? It's all about finding that, yeah. that force of the smoke. And from there, building the house even greater than it was before. You don't got to live in that same house. You're going to live in some junky old house, right? Your house has got the ability <laughs> to be beautiful. So why not make it and let it be beautiful the way it wants to be? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Freaking fire. Fire, 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 baby. baby. Oh. Featuring this is Marshall. a great episode. Featuring Marshall. Still oh, the highlight of it all. Big poop. <laughs> Big poop Marshall.
Right, baby boy? All right, Dr. Gates. Phenomenal, phenomenal time today. Thank you so much, brother. I'm looking forward to the next one. But all you good fighters. You know where to find us. You know where to find us. Well, if you don't, if you don't. What are we, the good fighters? No. Oh, the underscore good underscore fight underscore ers. Yes. DC Nasty or Gatesmare underscore DC. Hit us up. And if you hear about us on the streets, if somebody mentions the art thief and our dealer, you know who they're talking about. You know who they're talking about, baby. Uh, Fun fact. We're getting very popular in Singapore, guys. Oh. So if you see us taking a trip out there. We cracked the top 15. <laughs> we, got a, we got a bunch of good fighters on Singapore, man. Yes, I'm, sir. I'm the Singapore fighters, man. It may be a small country, but hey. The international, international tour might be coming a lot yes, sooner than what we think. Heck yeah, baby. Cool. All right, brother. Sounds good, man. Go forth and serve. Hope you have a good rest of your weekend. And all you good fighters out there, enjoy and go forth and serve yourselves. Choose your destiny.